So my name is Janine Swa. My company is Resilient Capital, and I also work for Brex. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, you guys are in for a real treat, a financial treat at that. I have Janine Swa. I know that sounds French, but it's more Jamaican with an Asian twist. Um, and we're going to learn all about that good mix and, you know, how those things happen. But she's a financial, you want to say whatever term you want to use, because people always say, oh, guru and expert and all that. But her, she's going to give us the game on what her company can do for you as a inspiring entrepreneur or as a full-blown entrepreneur who needs capital. So, Miss Janine, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing the game. And I thank you for all our connections who, you know, connect good people, like with two good people. And I just want to hear, like, you have a title. I'm just going to jump into it that I've always kind of like, that would be a cool title. After Chameleonaire got an entrepreneur in residence program, I'm like, that would be a cool title. So tell us about your business and then tell us about this um, other venture where I'm sure you're learning and earning. Got to put that earning part in. Oh Got to earn, you know, but give us the game. Absolutely. So I have two roles currently. Honestly, I'm like a linguist turn techie. So my background wasn't in finance at all. I taught myself a lot of this stuff. And I was able to like surround myself around really smart people who knew more shit than I did. Um, so I have two roles that I'm in right now. Well, a couple more, but basically two. One, the first is called an expert in residence. So it's very similar to like an entrepreneur in residence or a VC or venture capitalist in residence. But ultimately, my goal is to help Brex, which is a financial technology company that I work for, help Brex share their product with their customers, but in a more meaningful and authentic way. So typically people just like do paid advertising. It's very transactional. My job is all about connecting founders to investors and helping founders just really level up their game and give them an opportunity to kind of meet with each other. And ultimately it will lead them down to the path of our product, which is an all-in-one finance tool to help them um, just manage their finances across the board when fundraising. And then my second role is called a founding partner of Resilient Capital, which is an early stage syndicate that invests in dangerously resilient founders building in future of work and community. So it's essentially a fund that enables us to invest in really dope founders who are building really dope things. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, I love the name and then the, the play on the name, but also, you know, in doing research, you and I are also part of Florida funders. So let's talk about your business. And then later on, let's talk about the difference of what, you know, Florida funders um, goal and what resilient capital is doing. So what type of entrepreneurs and crazy ideas, like if I say, Hey, I got a floating surfboard, you know, and it can levitate. Is that something? And how much can I get? I'll give it all to you right now, you know, um, for $900 million. Right. <laughs> so yeah, give us the game. Great question. So my focus, because I, so I, I stick to what I know for right now, my focus, I've always been a futurist. I've always thought 20, 40 years into the future, how can we do things better, more efficiently, more effectively? How can we make people's lives easier when it comes to their workplace, 
their their just lives on a day-to-day basis engaging? And then also how can we facilitate and forge more meaningful connections in the workplace or amongst our friends? So that's kind of like the segment of community and also using community-led growth, which are like really dope companies who think of it like the beehive, right? So Beyonce doesn't have to do any marketing. One, she's Beyonce, but two, she's built this really dope community of people who support her regardless and who are going to stay loyal to her and who are going to purchase all of her products because they believe in what she does. So right now I'm looking for really dope companies who are able to put data behind that community-led growth So I just invested into a company now, but on the other front, looking for companies who are building in the future to make things more streamlined, more efficient, more effective, and just easier in their, in their true nature. And then in terms of the money for me on resilient capital side, my checks start at 50,000 and they can go all the way up to, let's say 250,000. It really just depends on my community and if they're interested in investing alongside me, because that's essentially what a syndicate does. Okay, and just so you know, because people are like, wait, syndicate, I saw that and it's a mob movie and whatnot. <laughs> um, so when you put your money down, you then allow others to get put their money down and then it can just grow. So it's really exactly. it's, it's a community. Okay. What it's is just community investing? And can I ask you, oh, I'm going to ask you some stuff offline. Um, you just open yourself up to be bothered, but it, it's it, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't want to do that to the audience, but what are the barriers and are you a, like a typical, you know, venture fund, you know, they, they invest in 20 to hit on one and then they want to make 10 X or more <laughs> on that. So are, is that the goal or, or, or what's the, you know, how do you work? That's a great question. So the syndicate was honestly, so my long-term goal is to launch a hundred million dollar fund one, right? So I'm learning how venture capital works And in learning that, I have to figure out what my personal thesis is and how I can add the most value to my portfolio companies. And I'm doing that by putting skin in the game and being able to invest my own money into companies that I think are going to win. And so my strategy for doing that is to build up my LP or limited partner base. We're talking about giving people the game. So building up my base of people who truly believe in me and building up my community of people who want to see me win, but also want to see their investment grow. And so starting out with the syndicate on a deal by deal basis, allowing people to come in and invest with us is a good way to start assessing what types of investments we make and then how we can add value to our portfolio companies with the goal of being able to build up that track record, show demonstrated success about the types of companies that we invested to, what those returns look like for our LPs, and then be able to raise a much larger fund from institutional investors and also my community of investors. So I'm taking a slightly different approach. Normally, People, you know, who have a finance background would just jump into VC, but I want to understand my logic before I take other people's money, because ultimately my goal is to make my investors, my investors money. Got you, got you. Can you tell the people, well, when you, you know, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go somewhere. I got to get this Africa question out. People right now, everybody, we 
is like Africa, Africa, Africa. Um, I, 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 I want to be financed, but I got an idea or maybe I have even property that I want to turn into a resort in Africa. Would you finance something like that or does it have to be inside the borders of America? Um, no, I'm very open to external markets. I just don't know enough about them. So I'm big on doing things myself before I kind of take the leap. As a founder, I was always a jump first, think later person, but because I'm now investing other people's money and because other people's kind of assets are, are being based off of my decision-making processes in order for me to invest into a market, like I was looking at Brazilian market, um, I have to have a lot of knowledge about it before I do that. So that's not to say that I won't. Of course, my goal in the future is to invest in Africa, in South America, because that's the future. It's not even the future. It's the present, to be real. Like shit is popping overseas. We just haven't done, and I personally haven't done enough research to be able to make those informed decisions versus I know a lot about the U.S. market because that's where I live. So it's going to take some time for me, but I'm not opposed to it at all. I was already talking to founders from Brazil and was about to do an angel check in them, but they got into a really dope program with Algorand. So that was put on hold. Yeah. And, and what made you, you know, um, study Spanish and Portuguese at Florida State? <sighs> so I never like people telling me no. Um, and my initial reason for studying Spanish and Portuguese was because I grew up around uh, Brazilians and Peruvians in my neighborhood as a little girl, like three years old, hearing all these languages and never fully being able to communicate in the way that I wanted to. And because of that, I was like, I understand the relationship between language, society and culture and how you can facilitate and forge meaningful relationships by way of those cultures of people who don't know each other from Adam. And that was motivation enough for me to start studying because I also moved to Brazil for a little bit. And I was able to be a translator for people because I understood a little amount of Portuguese, but then really dove deep into it when I moved over there and when I started studying in school. So it was really just like a way of connecting people better. And that's why I wanted to study linguistics. Okay. No, I just, just, and, you know, just, just curious. That's uh, no, that's a good people, question. And people nowadays, and I want to ask, you know, you're doing well for yourself, but with this whole, you know, student loan, um, you know, we're going to forgive this loans for all these people who are making, you know, under this amount of money, basically the, the, the lower earners, but people are saying, well, stop going to school for political science. That's me. Stop going to school for mass comm. That's me. I might've made it work, but I probably was going to make it work or mm -hmm. we weren't going to have a country at all because Kellen's going to make it work. It's going to mm -hmm. win or, you know, so do you think that, you know, that 14 year old, 15 year old who says, oh, that's cool. I want to do that too. Um, is that something that you would recommend someone to study and has it, you know, can they find you found a job, but just give the game on that. Yeah, it really depends on the person on just like you said, regardless, I'm gonna make it because that's how I was bred, like coming from Jamaica, like my both my parents in Jamaica, education is operates at such a high level, because if you don't make it, you literally lose out on opportunities. And you, there's no like, after a certain age, I forget which form it is, but after a certain age, if you don't pass these tests, you don't get jobs. That's just clear and simple how it is. 
So I was raised with that ideology of not only being a high performer, but having pride in the work that you do as a human being. And because I was instilled with that pride, I learned and I took a lot of things like personally, but for my own benefit. And so to your question of, should I recommend somebody to do X type of journey? I honestly can't speak on anybody else's journey because what you do, no matter what decision you make, it's always going to be the right one for you because it will lead to something else. Even if it was leading to you not, you realizing that this was not the stuff that you were supposed to do, or this was not the path that you wanted to take. Like the fact that I was a linguist and I'm now working in VC and tech makes no sense to people. But I found at my core, the relationship between barriers to entry in language when it came to people who understood VC and people who didn't. And I use my knowledge of linguistics to create access for people who may never have access. And so to your question, it's just like, you got to do what you think is best. And then if it's not the right fit, the universe will guide you to the right place. Okay. Sounds like maybe some of her friends might still be trying to pay those loans back. So you guys, you got to read between the lines. You, yeah. I mean, if I'm still paying back the loans, but I'm never going to, I'm never going to apologize for like, I would never college was one of the best experiences of my life. And if that's what I had to, like, I didn't, I technically didn't pay for undergrad. It was my grad program that caused me the debt. So in that experience, that experience also allowed me to go live abroad for two years and to do research. So when it comes to the debt, I'm willing to pay that debt because that, I mean, it led me to this point now. So it's just like, and I'm about to pay this off anyway, like once you make it, make it. So it also depends on your mentality. I'm a investor. I've always been an investor in terms of how I invest my time, my energy, my money, because I always believe in myself and I bet on myself to get the return that I need to get to pay down the small things. Okay. And having that Jamaican background, you know, did you at any time have any extended stays in Jamaica? And I ask that because sometimes I can hear the haters and I can hear one saying, one, one, why don't you ask that fine girl if she speak the patois? Like, you know, <laughs> like, okay, okay, okay. I'm sure, you know, growing up in Florida, being Jamaican, she can, she can get down. It was the Portuguese that I was more shocked about than anything. Mm. But, you know, um, you know, how, how about with the history of Jamaica and just even the connection there? Um, there's so much that Jamaica needs. You know, once you get off the resort, you say, dang. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. um, I actually have a friend, two friends now who I met recently who started a platform called Tech Beach. And they are essentially building out the ecosystem for founders who are based in the Caribbean and in South America and Latin America, particularly, well, not just South America, but the full on Latin America. And they are being the conduits. Kyle and Amanda are conduits for change at the economic level when it comes to tech. And even one of my close friends who lives in Miami, Jadon, he's Jamaican too, um, I don't have as strong of ties to Jamaica because I wasn't born there. I'm U.S. born. So my ties and my knowledge of Jamaica, granted, Jamaica, the poverty in Kingston, depending on where you are, is bad. But I grew to have an appreciation for it. And so when I meet people who are Jamaican born, who are 
doing all these great things and change like Jadon will and like Kyle who was who's from Trinidad like those are the people who are building up economic mobility for the people who live there because they recognize that Jamaica is like a pop in tech hub but you know you know it needs some facilitation like any tech hub yeah yeah it, it, it definitely it definitely I mean Every black nation need needs something, just you know, colonization and all that 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 good stuff. With resilient capital, what's the like what are the things that have come across your desk that really excite you that say, wow, that's different? Hey, Mark, hey Kevin at Shark Tank, I got it first. Um, but if you want me to be a guest, maybe we can, you know, reenact. But you know, yeah. give us a couple of examples of some cool things that come across your desk. For sure. So there's actually a company that Mark Cuban invested into that we just co-invested into. That was my first deal through Resilient Capital. And I talked to the founder before I even launched Resilient Capital. We connected because I'm a community builder and I was going to invest as an angel. And something in me was like, there's something here. And so the company is called Spontively. And essentially, they're like a Google Analytics or like a Hood Suite, a data analytics platform for community managers and builders and any any type of organization or business who uses community-led growth as a go-to-market or growth strategy. And so essentially, what they do is they connect to all of your different social media accounts. They connect to anywhere in which you would interact with your community. And your community, as I mentioned, is like that loyal following. So to kind of simplify it, Imagine if Beyonce could connect to all of the people who tweeted her or did her on Instagram or purchased any of her products or interacted with her at any moment in time. She was able to then identify and pinpoint each individual person, learn about them, how much are they spending on her, what types of things are saying about her, and put that all into a dashboard and then spew it out into data that could say, Beyonce, this is how much your community is worth. These are your top grossing customers, and these are the top people who are talking about you. Let's figure out how to create a program for them, an ambassador program, so that you can then increase your sales based on the work that they're doing. So that's the first company that I just, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with him and we and Mark Cuban invested into them. So did we and a couple other people like the founder of Hootsuite, Tampa Bay Ventures, who are good friends. Um, and they're, we're, we're all just pretty much betting on community as the future for a lot of this growth in tech startups. And when you say, because I, I want to make it clear, because I, I can, I'm telling you, I hear the haters sometimes. Like somebody said, I didn't see that one on Shark Tank. When, when, when was that on there? You know, so was that on a private, was that a private event? And give us the game. If it was a private event, how do people find mm -hmm. those type of events to even pitch to a Mark Cuban or yourself? That's a great question. So a lot of the, the businesses that go onto Shark Tank primarily are consumer focused, meaning their products, they're things that people can buy, they're tangible, you can touch them. Um, those are typically what you see on Shark Tank. Sometimes they'll have some like consumer and tech kind of intertwined products like there was um, Ming from, oh my gosh, I forgot Ming's company, but it was basically like a skincare line that enabled you to kind of look at your skin and leverage tech to be able to like create this customized package for your skin. But Shark Tank, again, is very product focused, whereas 
things on the back end of like trying to get a meeting with Mark Cuban companies or trying to get a meeting with Brazilian Capital or Founders Fund or any of these big name funds, um, that's more done like on the back end. So it can either be through pitch competitions where you go and a whole bunch of investors can see you at one time. You can privately pitch on their website or apply for funding. You can get a warm introduction from a friend who knows the investing team. There's so many ways to play the game. Um, I'm really big on network as being a part of the game. So my recommendation to founders who are always thinking about fundraising or thinking about exploring these opportunities, your network is going to determine how you're able to move. Not always, but a lot of the times. And that was something as a founder that I learned very quickly through the pandemic. So I made it my goal to build, start building out my connections and my relationships so that if and when the time comes where I need to fundraise, I would have the network and I would be able to go and find it a little easier than, you know, the average person coming in from a cold introduction. Can you give the, the game on, because everybody on Instagram is a philanthropist, <laughs> and, an, invest, an investor, you know, they, they, they got a job, they clock in and they say, I need $15 minimum wage, but they put investor on there. Yeah, I'm talking about y'all. You know, you don't, you don't have to call me back. It's okay. Right. Um, but yeah, can you talk about legally what you had to do to put yourself in that position to say, I'm an investor because yeah, since everybody is soon, they're gonna, everyone's going to be calling themselves a, a, a doctor <laughs> like Dr. Dre and, and saying, I'm a physician and, and, you know, I help the heart. So give us the game legally, what you had to do with your lawyers and CPAs and, uh, you know, attorneys, all that. That's a great question. So technically Across a couple different regulations with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commissions that regulates all of this activity of investing, um, there are two, there's like, a, so there's an accreditation or there's an accredited investor and then there's a non-accredited investor. My first couple angel checks were as a non-accredited investor, meaning I wasn't recognized as a credible investor because I hadn't taken my series seven, which is like your certification, or I didn't have a million dollars in net worth because as a founder, like who the hell has a million dollars in net worth when you're building? I mean, not the founders now, but back in the, you know, a year or two ago when COVID was happening, all your money was being invested into your company. So there are two things um, on, on, on this side of the coin. So the non-accredited investors, you can use what's called a regulation crowdfunding platform, like a WeFunder or like a start engine, where you technically do have the capability to invest in these companies because the companies are required to disclose all this information when it comes to their financials. So the SEC was basically these non-accredited and accredited like regulations were basically put in place to protect investors from really shitty investments, just for lack of better terms. So now socially they've been seen as barriers because people who have disposable income, but who may not have, you know, a million dollars of net worth or who may not have a joint spousal income of $300,000, like they are seen as less credible in the eyes of the SEC. So Reg CF or regulation crowdfunding, which is community sourced investing, gives people who don't align with those guidelines the opportunity to invest in companies when done through a specific platform. 
On the other side, the accredited investor, what I personally had to do was I had to start my the management company, which is Resilient Capital LLC, that would manage any of the funds that will be deployed to founders. And then that made me, you know, a knowledgeable employee, which is one of the kind of the, the tasks or the, the check marks that you have to tick off, a knowledgeable, knowledgeable employee, because I'm the one who's managing the entity and I'm the one who's managing all the crowdfunding, not the crowdfunding, all the fundraising from my LPs. So there are a couple things. And I would say like one of the most common would be if you are sponsored by a financial institution, getting your series seven, which allows for like a broker dealer, um, like relationship or kind of categorization under the SEC to where you've taken the test and you've done the studying and you've understood everything to where you are then able to be deemed like someone who is now credible in the SEC's eyes as someone who can broker deals between the founders and the investors and then be able to deploy capital. So those are just a couple of the things. All right. That's what we're about. This show. Uh, that was a long winded response, no. but I wanted to make sure that I gave the game properly, you know? <laughs> yes, because we need that because we have podcasts and shows that I used to, you know, enjoy um, that, people just give bad game you know i take your credit card can't uh max it out then put it on your debit card and the, the host are just oh yeah yeah that's good game you know it's, that's it, what it's got like, me in debt for my business so i i mean you also bet on yourself but that credit card game can mess you up long term it can mess you up yeah so when y'all listening to m500 and whoever else is spewing that game and and you know you're getting the legal aspect because that was the same you know that bad game was the same thing that has people going to jail now for taking the ppp loans mm. illegally and we don't we don't do that like you don't have to cheat in this game of monopoly um there's plenty of money out there for all of us and resilient capital is one of those places so if you guys don't look in your description box and hit her up with a proper pitch deck Right now, I'm talking to that guy in New York right now who likes to send a pitch deck every week. It needs to be a proper one. Save you more time to have someone professionally put it together because Janine ain't trying to read no crap talking about, well, I'm fixing to. No. It's very true. I don't. And I've been a founder, so I'm like, but I'm also willing, depending on like the founder to, I'm always very transparent when it comes to my interactions because I was a founder and people aren't transparent with you. So that deck is important, but it's also like know your financials because ultimately I have to know your business well enough to, to then sell it to my investors who want to buy into your business. So it's truly like a partnership. So if you aren't on your game, I can't be on my game and I'm never not on my game. So it's like, I like founders who are about what they say and who know their stuff like the back of their hand, which is the main reason why I invested in Sponsively. Like they knew the data, they knew their competitors, they knew their financials, but that didn't intimidate them. And I, I mess, I mess with that a lot. I, I admire people. And that's why I named it too resilient because it's like, it's yes, it's about the financials and it's about everything, but I'm betting on you as a founder that you can execute on the vision that you just sold me. And so knowing your stuff is important. 
how, how what's your reaction when people I'm sure you've had, you know, people, yeah, I need money. I mean, this is a billion dollar idea. Yeah. And you say, but I don't, I don't see it. And how, well, see, I can't give you all of that till you sign an NDA. That's some other low level, low vibration stuff. I have to sign an NDA to invest in you. Uh, tira la puerta. <laughs> I'm not trying to hear it, <laughs> you know. So can you, what's your reaction when you hear these newbies, uh, the ignorant to how you even ask and present your business when they tell you something like that? Honestly, I'm going to be real. It is a turnoff when people ask me to sign NDAs. I never sign them unless it's a close friend who they have some type of deal in negotiation to where they have to keep X data confidential, but that's like a later stage company. At the early stages, if you are good enough or you're good as you say you are, then I don't need an NDA because any anybody can have an idea and the likelihood, and I'm telling you this too as a founder that I used to be like, oh, if we tell anybody like it's our idea, it's not about having the idea, it's about executing and moving mountains by way of that idea, right? Anybody can have like, a vision, but how well can you execute? And so I'm never a fan. Like I rarely don't, I never sign NDAs and I will never sign unless, like I said, it's a close friend who is in negotiation to where they have to protect their IP at the risk of losing this like big contract. Then that's when I'll, you know, just out of courtesy for peace of mind, because I'm not going to tell anybody anyway, but you know, still got to be respectful in those cases. Okay. You and you have to be respectful and nice. Exactly. You're going you're going for sainthood. What I do with you guys when you send those NDAs, um, we have toilet paper shortage sometimes. So we know what to do with it because I have your business that you need help with. And I, you don't know how many deals I see. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? And I don't need you trying to sue me 15 years down the line because your thing was a bus saying, Kelly, yeah. Ooh. look it. That's facts. Yeah. When it comes to like founders that I interact with, none of them ask me, I've had maybe two and I'm, I instantly just ignored it. And I was like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, but it's, yeah, I do go for sainthood when it comes to like a close friend. And I'm only saying that because they have a deal in negotiation and I did have to sign an NDA. So that's the only time, the only time. Well, you know what? here's a rule that I've had for over a decade. If you're paying me, sure. Give me, put, put something, send it to the nano X, um, send it somewhere. Um, you know, put, send it wherever I almost said something. I don't want y'all to know that much about my finances, but you know, send it somewhere and we we can talk, but I would say 99.9 of the people who say NDAs, NDAs, especially in the black community are as common as someone saying, man, you want financial freedom? I got something for you. You know, I mean, but do you have two hours in your day every day? I don't want to join your MLM. I'm a stabby in. I'm, I'm cool, man. It's okay. It's okay. So, you know, and I'm talking about black and you being a black woman. And if I got that wrong, because, you know, nowadays you could be a white uh, elephant if you want it to be and you got to no, I'm a black it. woman I'm black Mr. Black <laughs> yeah um how how has it been because when you tell black folks hey I have capital for you if you want to go through these proper steps and then they might you know and even maybe others treat you like this but I'm talking about inside our community mm-hmm. and they bring you there 
you know, plan. And it's like, I'm not just a black capitalist though. I'm here for everyone. So you need to put it in a proper <laughs> form. Like, do you ever see our community trying to pigeonhole you into, hey, I got this new thing, the Jerry Curl's coming back. You gotta jump on this. I actually don't. Well, I mean, I get a lot of pitches when it comes to like specifically black founders because I'm very much pro-black investment. Um, so it makes sense, right? I'm super vocal about it. But I feel like because people now know and I've taught people how to treat me, it's not as common as one would think, you know, because you know how Black people are. We're like, oh, like I got you, blah, blah, blah. It's just like part of our culture. But I've I've set very clear boundaries with my time to where I don't get that as much as one would think. And I think that I'm also very direct, like transparency. I'm a communicator. So I'm always like, look, I, I have... I'm, I'm investing at a stage where I have to build up my LP base and where I have to really prove myself as a potential venture capitalist. So it's like, I'm looking for top-notch deals. So when I'm looking at founders and having these calls with these really dope Black founders, they're already operating at my level. So it's very, it's quite refreshing because I'm like, bro, we get like, they already get it. And the people that I surround myself, like they think like I do, they get it. They're not pigeonholing themselves into yo I'm a black founder it's like nah I'm a really dope founder I just happen to be black and I understand the barriers that black founders face by way of you know getting less than two percent of venture capital collectively um so no I I don't see it as much as you would think but sometimes sometimes people try and play the game but they're too early for me so I'm like too early meaning kind of like pre-product and in full transparency, if a Black woman hits me up asking for advice, if she's trying to get into VC, if she's a founder who just needs some honest feedback, I will always give Black women my time, hands down, always, because I was there and nobody was ever honest with me. And because of that, um, it helped me understand when people were super transparent that like I now feel like that is my duty to pay that forward because I have this like advantage of understanding the game. So it's, I feel like it's my duty to then teach the game to people who are a little earlier than, you know, what I would ever invest in. Okay. Okay. And I, I will attest, you do have good boundaries, even us trying to do the interview and then even the reschedule. Um, I, and, and, you know, at, at sometimes I laugh I, and I'm telling you this because when we yeah, talk about people I like, and, and I'm like, she was laughing at my pronouns on LinkedIn people. And so, you know, when you think <laughs> you got someone laughing, you're like, okay, I got you, but we had to do a reschedule. And so when we do a reschedule, I'm like, make sure we have like everything in case we got to call this person. Email works fine. And, you know, I don't do interviews before this time. And I'm like, man, I got Oprah's number. What not? Hey, Oprah, you know, but you, you, of course, you know. take Oprah's number, child. Take it. <laughs> you know, I got Oprah's. Now I can't get this. Okay. She better show up on time. But, um, you know, you do, you have to have those boundaries. If not, you'll drive yourself crazy. And I have driven myself crazy. I've driven myself to the point of exhaustion. I've given every ounce of my being to the people that I serve at the risk of my own mental health. So the boundaries that you're talking about to put my people on game, 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't take meetings before noon unless I absolutely have to. Like even my team knows that because my morning is my most productive time to get work done uninterrupted. So if I don't set, set those boundaries and if I'm meeting with people, it messes up my entire day, which is why I do meetings toward the end of the day because I'm an early riser. So when I wake up, that's when my that's when I meditate. That's when I take care of myself. That's when I do my routines and that's when I get my best work done. And then I've also learned that like, by giving my number out to people, people always call me and my phone is always on do not disturb. And then they get an attitude with me when they can't reach me. Not to say that that's what you were going to do, but that's part of the, the methodology of why I do that. Even my parents know like, hey, if you call me and my phone goes straight to voicemail, it's because I'm working or because I'm here. Like we, they've really helped me to establish those boundaries. But When I was a founder and I let everybody access me, and even as a community builder in my first like three months at Brex, I could not function because I was always getting pinged. And if you aren't able to establish those boundaries when you're building, you won't be able to get work done. And people will always, it's like, if people think that they can always have access to you, they will always have access to you. And I have to cut that shit because if not, then I won't be able to do the work that I do that will benefit the world that I'm trying to live in. So that's kind of like putting people on game. That's, it's very important to, to set those boundaries. It definitely is. And when I learned that, and mm. if someone calls my phone number, usually, you, you know, I, I'll pick up if available, but I have um, software that does the automatic text. And if it's about business, you can book a time. And Wait, yes. I, you know, and, and so, yeah. And so because people will try to suck you dry. And I know some guys love to be sucked dry, but it ain't <laughs> in that term. You know, it ain't in that term. It's 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 <laughs> mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, people yes. giving you all their stuff and they want to dump it on you. Can you talk about that mental, I don't know if it was a breakdown, but I've been a supervisor at a, a psych ward step down program in Holyoke, yeah. Massachusetts. So I have seen even kids overwhelmed with stuff. And it's like, what, what are we doing to these kids? You know, just putting five-year-olds on lithium so they'll shut up. So can you talk about that? Because the signs of that, especially in our community, folks, you know, black folks in compassion sometimes can be, hey, you just just gonna take a nap. Yeah, as kids, hey, here's a piece of candy. You shut up and, and you know, you're bleeding. And like, candy's not gonna stop this bleeding. So can you talk about what those signs were for you? And oh. when you knew it was time to just take back because we need to have more conversations about it so people don't go over I mean people are killing themselves with stress literally killing themselves and I think there was like when was it it was right before I started with Brex and then three months into Brex so I don't take vacations and it's the worst thing I'm always on um always on. And I didn't have the luxury of taking, and I don't want to say luxury, but luxury of time to take a vacation in between my transition of being a founder and Brex, because I was coming from a brick and mortar business that wasn't tech focused, where we had invested a hundred thousand dollars of our own money into a company. So when you're starting to think about your business decisions and base it off of your your current personal financial state, 
that's a bad place to be in because you're you're desperate. You you're trying to pull for things that aren't even there. You're trying to forge numbers that aren't even there. And when you're trying to fundraise, it's just it's not a safe place to be. And so I think one of the signs when I hit that point was when a fa- um, Mark from Florida Funders actually because I was talking to them about my idea. And he was like, you are one of the most dangerous people, one of the most dangerous founders to deal with. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you are so bubbly and so convincing and so persuasive that you can convince your investors of anything. And you can even convince yourself of the same thing. And he said, you have to learn to dissociate and you have to learn to take yourself out of the situation. When he told me that it really screwed me up but I was so grateful that he told me that because I took a couple of days and I sat back and I really thought about it. And these were some of the signs that I noticed. The first one, like I said, making business decisions off of my financial state, not good. I was super lethargic to the point where I felt like it was very hustle porn-esque, like waking up at 5 a.m., starting to work, not taking any breaks, not resting, blah, 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 out of out of sheer like desperation. I had secluded myself from my friends, not even my family, because they get it, but even so, like just not being able to communicate how I was truly feeling with my parents, even though we do have a strong relationship. And then I was like not motivated to work out, which is one of the things that I love to do the most. And when I started to see that, I was like, holy shit, I'm burnt out. And I had to go to coaching to help me kind of like release that fog. But it was a lot of the physical and then the spiritual. I just felt like depressed. I just felt really sad and I couldn't understand why, but it was because I was so exhausted and hadn't taken the time to like be away from people for a little bit and just truly be in my own brain. So that those were some of the warning signs for me. You guys got got the game. That's that's real talk. Yeah. And I want and I, and I want to and I want to say this. And I and I have to be as PC as I can. I'm not good being PC because I can't be canceled because I'm not looking for anybody's approval except yeah. maybe God's. Um, but the fact that seven years ago, this woman that you're looking at, you guys look sometimes real shallow at the face, and then you hear, "Oh, she can talk. Oh, she could be." <laughs> a model if she wanted to be. But seven years ago, this person was in the sales, in the marketing, a hostess, right? This, the, where you're at, this wasn't just given to you because, hey, I'm a pretty face. No, you worked your way up and I want more people to hear and see people like you that are black, that are Afro-Latinas, that are Latinas, even, you know, white women, everyone, because the world, I mean, it's really... Now, James Brown, I can't wait for Beyonce to do the remix. It's a woman's world. Yeah, maybe yeah. it will come when we get our first woman president. Uh, finally, that you know will come. But it's like women are doing more and more. And if you don't have a woman in a power position in your company, you don't have a company. You don't have a good one at that. Um, you you need you need that. I think you need all the diversity you, you can do. get. But, but but what are you like? Do you feel at all that you have any like anything holding you back or like what's your mentality for that? Because you just seem like a winner. Thank you. It came with a lot of loss. Like 
so resilient too. Like I have it tattooed here before any, before resilient capital was even a thought. Um, first of all, well, before I get into that, I do want to acknowledge that diversity of thought is the most important thing. And not just like diversity, like have black people, have Latin people, have women. It's like, you got to have different people who have different mindsets because they'll bring the, the right things to the table. Um, and I feel like in learning a lot of these negative experiences of like being divorced and if having a business fail and then being in debt from that business, going through a pandemic, like breaking down to the point where I just felt so like not contributing to the world. It was very weird. Um, all of those things required a level of resilience that regardless of what happened to me, yeah, I would be down for a little bit, but I refuse to let shit defeat me. Like I'm not a person you want to tell no, because I'm gonna prove you wrong. And it's just like out of my prideful nature, like in spite of, or whatever, call it what you want. I don't care, but I know who I am. And because I know what I want, I'm not, I can't stop because I have like this spiritual obligation and emotional and just physical obligation to make people understand this power and light within them and be able to then connect them to the resources that can get them to that next step. And because of that, and because I feel it's a blessing and a curse, I feel the weight of a lot of things on my shoulders because I have been blessed with a certain vantage point that a lot of people don't have. And because I have that vantage point, I have to turn it into something because that's my contribution to this world. So it's like hard work has always been something for me. I mean, I've busted my ass my entire life, but while simultaneously being blessed enough to have parents who truly want to see me be great and truly believe in me. And because of that feeling, I want other people to feel that, which is why I can't stop. Because the moment I stop is like, I like, what is my existence if I can't bring joy and bring resources and bring shit to other people into this world? So yeah, I can't stop. Y'all can't stop me. Just saying. <laughs> can't stop. Won't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> let, let me ask you, you've mentioned it the whole interview, but it's my signature question. So I have to ask, you know, yeah. what is a community give back that you have done, you're doing, or that you would like to do that you haven't mentioned? Because with success, you know, the, the winners are always givers. Always givers. Oh my God. So I'll tell you about a personal thing that I envision for myself. And then I kind of already spoke about what I envision for the future um, when it relates to founders, but I'll tell the personal story first. So the minute that I know that I will have like made it, made it is this vision that I've had for the last like five years, right? So Thanksgiving is really big in my family. Like my dad has a brother and both of our families are very close. Like my cousins are like my siblings. So we always do Thanksgiving together. And I now have three godchildren, four, oh my God, four godchildren under that umbrella. So my vision, and when I know that I'm like, I bet like we're on the right path is when my aunt, my mom, my dad, like nobody has to cook. We bring in a chef, we bring in an entire service team. We, people get greeted, they get a cocktail, champagne, you know, toast upon arrival. They can kick their feet up. They're getting 
just like this really dope experience. And we're all so focused on like being together and passing that cooking. Granted, it's part of the tradition, but like passing that off to someone who can allow us to just focus on each other. And then at the end, just give everybody checks, give everybody checks and be like, y'all need to go invest. Y'all need to go like $20,000 check, you know, small, small checks in the grand scheme of things. That's when I know personally that like, I ha- when I see that vision come, that's when I'm like, all right, that's what I want to contribute to my family um, as a thank you, because my dad's brother and his wife and my aunt and my cousins have all invested money into me. So it's like, and my parents too, my dad invested like 10,000 into my first business. So it's like, that's what I want to give back as like a thank you for trusting me. And then on just the global side, my one goal is to become the most well-known VC for like actually giving a shit about their founders and propelling them to new heights by way of leveraging the community that we have. And so not just investing money, but truly figuring out how I can use the resources that I've built over the years to give the founders in our portfolio new avenues to excel beyond limits. And so, yeah, so those are my two like really big visions that when I close my eyes, like that's what I see. That's beautiful. I was like, well, the caterer is easy, except you're going to have that one uncle or aunt talking about they can't make this dressing like And I they probably, that. so my dad was jerk pork. Nobody can tell it's jerk pork. So that's why I'm like, <laughs> it's like easy, but it's not so easy. Yeah, yeah. And and then and then I was like, okay, you get the caterers and let the folks our folks complain. This ain't like mine. But then say, <laughs> give them the 20, write the twenty thousand dollar checks, but just post date it, right? <laughs> and say, don't, 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 don't cash this until I tell you to, or you'll be disappointed. But um, but no, I love that. That that's beautiful. Um, have you started and when will you be finished with your book? Oh my god, I haven't started my book. I thought about writing. Somebody told me that I needed to write one because there are just some crazy things that have happened that like only God and the universe could have done in my favor. Um, I haven't started writing it and I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, put it on the, put it on the vision. I know maybe I need to put on the vision board. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, and people say, you know, why? Because everyone at least has one book in them, but your book then is your, and this is the PR consultant person in me just coming out. I do it pay or no pay sometimes, but you're then give me free game. Give me free game. Yeah. The book then elevates you to do more speaking. You have product, you do your courses, you do, you know, whatever else, because what you're doing I truly think a program like this needs to, there needs to be something taught from middle school, maybe even high school, Mm -hmm. that people can learn what this is. My kids homeschool, they have their teacher who lives in Cameroon, so they get the, who they were before slavery, um, you know, type, type, type education. And here in Florida, I just no disrespect to the teachers, but more to the curriculum, because I've taught in school. The curriculum sucks everywhere in America. I don't raise children who are just Black on the outside, Mm. and then think, they think colonizer, and that starts Mm. with slavery. So it just, you know, I just throw that out there, like, this is a curriculum. There's so many, um, nonprofits and for-profits that have kids who need to tap into you and reach out and say, what, how can you teach our kids the same way? Because I 
am a Dave Ramsey fan, maybe a fanatic, but my kids have done his program. And I also have beta tested, you know, and talked with some of the, their, their crew over there to say, hey, I like this. This is what I would love to see. But we need more of that. And, and Dave, he's done his part. We have to do our part. I write books. I write children's books, you know, my wife and I. Um, but th- that, that's my thing. But I love the game that you gave. Tell the people the best way to contact you about serious business. Oh, I can see one of my African friends say, man, Kelly, she said she was single. Hold on. I got bride price. You know, that has to be done in a proper way. So before you just reach out, holler at me. Let me make a proper, <laughs> intro, proper introduction. I have four couples that I've introduced and they, they were married. So, um, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, so you know, don't just hit her up in the DMs thinking it's gonna be all good. I, hey, Kellen told me no, Kellen didn't tell him to hit you up. I'm telling y'all now, there's a proper way if this isn't about you know resilient capital to holler. But for you, do you like LinkedIn, Instagram? Yeah. That's great. I I like LinkedIn. Um, messages lately have been like backed up, but I always read like I do my best to sift through. And if I can respond, especially and I'm talking to the black queens um, who are listening, anybody, of course, I respond to everybody. But for my black women who are looking or thinking about building, I will always figure out a way to meet with you, even if I don't have the ability Um, we'll figure it out somehow. So just want to plug that in there because that's very important to me that they feel acknowledged because like I said, there were points where I did not. So um, LinkedIn is a great way to reach me. And then email, depending on what it is, um, I will say if it's about like Brex, email me at my Brex email, which is js like Sam, U-A-H at Brex.com. If it's about resilient and seeking investment, the best way right now and the most efficient way is to apply through the website because we're getting a huge influx. So it allows me to sift through a little easier. And then um, I would say Twitter DMs work too, because I check those from time to time. So like DMs, email at invest at resilient capital if needed, like for advice, for things like that. Um, and then, yeah, my Brex email if it's about finance or Brex. You guys have been blessed by the game. Now what I want you to do is make sure you share it with somebody. It will change their life. Y'all be blessed. <laughs> Hey family, on November 20th through December 1st, 2022, we will have the all-inclusive Kenya trip. Now, a lot of times people have said, Phil, when's the next trip we'd like to go? I want to see Africa for myself, but this is the time to go. Everything will be taken care of. All the excursions are paid. You can do monthly payments. You know, they'll have safari and a six-city tour. You will see Charlie Island, which is something that we did not see last time on the tour. This tour will be 12 days instead of seven days. So make sure to secure your place on the trip by going to www.wbsbs.com, make your deposit, and then you can start making your payments and we'll see you in Kenya. Hi guys, I'm Kai Gaviam from the Diaspora Channel a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course 
well put together by, by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com.